Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, Deshaun Reed, ready to discuss the Raiders hiring of defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. And uh, we will get to Ted in a little bit to get his thorough thoughts on uh, cover three. The Raiders moved to cover three. But Vic, you identified Gus Bradley, I think, probably pretty shortly after Paul Gunther's firing as the likely lead candidate. And they talked to a few other guys, but that was the way you thought it would go all along. And that's what happened. Yeah, I think John's pretty easy to predict. He obviously has his list of guys he wanted to talk to when he first came back to coaching over the years when compiling this long list of his favorite coaches, and Gus Bradley was on that list. I think when Gus became available, it was an obvious fit. They were together in Tampa Bay. John gave him his first NFL job way back in Tampa. He likes the system. He likes what it does. He likes obviously likes Gus. Gus knows uh, a lot of the guys pretty well from those days. He knows um, Greg Olson. knows uh, Basaccia. Yeah, he knows Tom Cable from his days in Seattle. So I just think he's really well in tune with the Raiders staff, can kind of jump right in and uh, ideally get this defense at least to uh, some kind of middle of the pack ground uh, in, in the NFL. You know, if you're on Twitter, then you would know that I've been kind of pushing back against this whole cover three defense. And it just feels like it's on the way out. You know, like Seattle, they were really good when they won a Super Bowl and then they had the Legion of Boom and the Legion of Boom ended up getting like three or four guys head coaching jobs because of their success or defensive coordinator jobs. But then those guys, you know, they had some success here and there, but when they did have success, I did study Pete Carroll's coaching tree and how all these guys fared when they went on their own. And they had a good, a really good defense and they didn't have a lot of success. But when they did, they had a very, very strong four-man pass rush because the essentials of defense is they're going to be simple. Players are going to know what they're doing. They're going to run the same coverage 30 to 40% of the time, and they're going to play fast. But when you do that, you need a strong four-man pass rush, and the Raiders are very far away from a four-man pass rush. I thought they could have used a defensive coordinator that knew how to blitz, create pressure when they don't have a strong four-man pass rush, and that's really not Gus Bradley's calling card. I think he's a good defense coordinator. I think the ceiling is limited. Maybe that's what they're going for. Maybe they just want to be around the middle of the pack, which can be good, but I just think the ceiling is limited. I do worry a little bit about the fit just when it comes to the defensive line and not just pass rush, but also in the run game. Like they were pretty bad at defending the run this year. And, you know, with the cover three, you know, it's pretty much on those guys, those four guys up front to shut down both of those. It's not, I guess the system is not great for the run or the pass, but you kind of cover yourself for both through it. But, you know, unless they go out and get one of these, there are a few available, one of these big name pass rushers on the market or 
And also they have to get a new three technique since Malik Collins didn't work out and they need a, a bunch of improvement from guys like Max Crosby and, and Cleef Farrell and they bring him back, Carl Nassib. It just seems like a lot of ifs when it comes to how we've seen this d- defensive line play this year, even when it was healthy and didn't have injuries. It just wasn't to the level that you need for a system like this to thrive. But I will say that the Raiders don't necessarily need to have like a top 10 defense in the league. You know, I, I think we all agree that if they just had a, a league average defense this season, they have a pretty good chance of making the playoffs with the way their offense was playing. And so, you know, if their offense, you know, makes the improvements they need to make going into the next season and, and Bradley can get them to, you know, somewhere around a league average unit, then I think that, you know, it's not the the ultimate goal. They're not going to stop there or, or shoot for that. But if they do pull that off, then I think that might be good enough to get the Raiders where they want to go next season. One of the things that Gus talked about was I thought his his system was kind of easy to learn for younger players, which I think is going to be a key thing because if you look at last year, a lot of the underlying uh, concern was that the, the Gunther's defense was too complicated. Guys didn't know where they should be and all the adjustments and different looks. So I think if you dumb it down a little bit, apparently that's going to be the key. So I think that would be um, something to, to watch as far as how the young guys can play in, in this defense right away. And plus, the guys you bring in, because you said you're going to need some new players either through the draft or free agency to address not only the D-line, but also the safety. I think they're kind of stuck at linebacker, but I think definitely they can address safety and, uh, and D-line a lot in both the draft and free agency. And I think something else in in pass coverage, kind of independent of the pass rush, the guys really struggled to play the cover two piece of, of the zone, whether they were just playing straight cover two or, or having the cover two side and when they go to cover six. And with the cover three, you know, they kind of protect themselves a little bit more against the deep routes and, and those corner routes that were killing them this year in, in pass coverage. And so obviously when they're in a division with a team like the Chiefs and, and some of these other, you know, prolific offenses across the league, um, and you have a young secondary that maybe isn't what they're going to be in the long run yet. I think that could help protect them against some of the the big back-breaking plays that kind of killed them this year. He did say a couple encouraging things in his uh, press conference. He did say that they were going to add more coverages. You know, he hit the nail on the head when he said they have to address the line first and then they're going to fill in the rest of the spot from there because I think at this point they have to commit to signing a big-time pass rusher and then – maybe drafting another one if they can't sign two pass rushers. And a couple guys that are available are uh, Bud Dupree, who uh, you know I'd be very high on if his medical clears or, and if they feel good about his rehab process. And uh, Melvin Ingram, who played for Bradley with the Chargers. Dupree's a little younger, has a little more upside, but I think they have to add a big money free agent. I just don't think there's any way they go into next season just hoping that a, a draft pick ends up being an immediate contributor. So, Ted, it seemed like the, the Chargers did well against the Chiefs the last couple of years. Did you remember watching any of those games? What did you, what did you see in those games? One of the benefits of having cover three, it, it stops explosive plays. And sometimes the Chiefs can kind of get into a just swing for defenses mode and they'll just keep trying to go for explosive plays instead of dinking and dunking. And they, they fell into those traps against the Chargers. And it also helps when, you know, we talked about it before, but it also helps when you can rush the passer with just four. The Chargers were able to do that against the Chiefs, too. I just don't know how replicable that game plan is for the Raiders unless they sign one of these big free agents or find a pass rusher to the draft. I guess one big project for Bradley will be what he can do, what he can get out of Corey Littleton. Raiders you know, invested a lot in him last offseason, bringing him, him and Nick Witkowski to bolster that linebacking core. 
we know it wasn't good in year one. Tashawn, Ted, you guys kind of went through the tape and, and all that and, and broke down what you saw and where there's reason for hope. You saw some hope in the last couple of games where obviously Rod Marinelli is the interim DC, kind of simplified things, and it seemed like he was playing a little faster, a little more aggressive. How does cover three fit him? Can he be a guy that can thrive in this defense and, and or at least get back to being more of an impact player like the Raiders thought they were going to get? Yeah, I think so. I mean, just going back and watching those last two games, I really liked how he played when things were simplified. I thought he was disruptive. He was pulling the trigger a lot faster than he was before, and he saw his athleticism just shine more than it did in the first few games where he was having trouble lining up. You could just tell he was just so tentative with everything he was doing. One of the most encouraging things I saw in film was just how good he was in cover, uh, man-to-man coverage on tight ends like Mike Jacecki and uh, Noah Faint, who Noah Faint in particular is, you know, he's a really athletic tight end, but he, he just smothered him in coverage. And as far as how he fits into uh, the cover three system, we talked about it being simple. So I think he'll be able to pick it up pretty quickly. One thing he'll have to do a really hard job that a middle linebacker has to do in Bradley's system is he's going to have to pick up the number three receiver crossing the field. And that number three receiver could be a tight end. It could be a slot receiver like Tyreek Hill. So you need a really athletic middle linebacker to do it. And Littleton has that athleticism. He'll fit pretty seamlessly into the system. Littleton spoke to us in his after the season press conference, and he was pretty candid about his performance this season. And, you know, it's something that everybody in the league had to deal with. But, you know, for him, switching teams for the first time and, and coming in and learning a new system with Gunther and it being pretty complex. He said he really struggled, you know, having to learn that virtually. And he said even by the time the season started, he still felt like a chicken with his head cut off just because he was trying to figure everything out. And then kind of at the mid midway point of the season, when he started to feel a little bit more comfortable, he contracted COVID-19 and that set him back with his conditioning. And then we saw him kind of come around at the end of the year and start to sell in a little bit more. Obviously, he's going to have to learn another new system and you know, basically a year, which isn't the most ideal situation. But with cover three being a pretty simple scheme, like Ted said, it shouldn't be that difficult for a player with his experience to pick up on. It actually probably will help him play faster and, and be more comfortable and, and make fly around and make plays. And not just in pass coverage. And I think another big important thing for him is starting to make more of those disruptive plays. He didn't have a sack or a forced fumble or an interception this year for the first time in his career. And, and those are kind of the things that he became known for for the Rams was creating turnovers and, and kind of those high impact plays. And even on special teams, you know, blocking punts and things like that. We just didn't see that from him this year. And so um, if he's feeling more comfortable, maybe that frees him up to start to do more of those things and give the Raiders a little more bang for their buck with, with what they're paying him. I'm also kind of interested to see if if Bradley, because something with Gunther, you know, he pretty much used the the four two five as his base. So I wonder if Bradley plays a little bit more traditional four three. I guess it depends on, you know, what they do at the other linebacker spot with you know Nicholas Moreau being a a free agent. You know, if they bring him back or not, or go get somebody else. I assume that'll change things. But I would assume that would also change his responsibilities a little bit more if he's playing more traditional four three than the the four two five they were playing last year. I think one thing for me that would be an encouraging thing about a guy like Gus Bradley, I mean, you look at his four years with the Chargers, and they were top 15 in yards allowed every season, and 15th was the worst they were, and uh, you know, top 14 in points allowed every season, uh, except for this past season, they were 23rd. We know the Chargers. We've seen the Raiders play this team year in and year out, and we know for these last four or five years or whatever it's been, they're constantly dealing with devastating injuries. 
and I mean, Vic, you've kind of gotten on Gruden over the years about always using the the injuries as excuses, and it's one of his favorite go to lines. Nobody, I don't think, has been as as hit by injuries. You know, maybe the 49ers rivaled him uh, probably this year, but over the last probably five years, I mean, uh, that team is just every year it seems hit by a lot of injuries, and and so with the experience of, of still being able to field good defenses despite dealing with stuff like that, I mean, that that could bring a good attitude to this team. Yeah, I think his resume definitely speaks well to that. that he can adjust and. Uh, and rolled the punches and definitely good guys fill in. I think obviously Raiders' depth was not great this year, so that's something they'll have to address in the offseason. But I mean, I think it's a good solid hire. I, I can't know, I can't get too high on it because of uh, the familiarity. I'm wondering if he's just one of you know, John's guys, but definitely it has it's had success even in, in, in LA. So I think um, it should bode well for the Raiders, I think, in the, in the future. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Saw a lot of people groaning on Twitter throughout the weekend that it seemed like every time you looked up, uh, there was a former Raider making a, a big play. And there were a few. Uh, Carl Joseph had that the touchdown to open up that Browns game. Uh, also had that pressure that forced an interception. Uh, I think Jihad Ward had a big tackle for loss. Uh, you know, I think it maybe wasn't quite as dramatic as as some people were seeming like the Raiders were making plays all over the place. But uh, it was interesting and kind of fun to see some familiar faces uh, making some plays. Yeah, Cool Mack and, and uh, Mario Edwards had a combined, I think, big play, and like I think Cool had a sack. So I think Raider fans always the kind of salt in the wound when uh, they can't make the playoffs and the guys who are here are all making plays in the playoffs. It's always kind of a, a weird and fun side note for for Raider fans during this time of the year. Don't forget Dennis Allen too. He advanced. And Jack Del Rio covered. There you go. Yeah, it covered the spread. There you go. That's right. Would you go, Vic? You went like five and one, right? Uh, it's actually four and two. The Bills uh, didn't wind up covering, so four and two. But uh, yeah, I still think it was a good week. I think the Bills should have covered. But um, yeah, I thought Washington played pretty well. I, I, a, despite not getting much of a pass rush, I thought they uh, they held tough. So I'm not sure what that bodes, what that means for the Bucks the rest of the way. But yeah, Del Rio did a good job. I always tell my friends because they always ask me for betting advice. I was like, Steelers are my pick this week, and uh, they're all pissed off at me for it. So that was very unexpected. If you're the Browns, you got to tell the coach to stay in the basement. You got to tell Stefanski, don't, don't come back now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why you'd come back and jinx the whole thing. So to me, that's a, that's a big storyline this week, him back on the sidelines. It's a mistake. Who do you guys like this week? We got Rams, Packers, Browns, Chiefs, Ravens, Bills, Bucks, Saints. I like the Rams to swing the upset. I think their defense is playing really crazy right now. Yeah, I love the Rams' defense, and I want to keep going with them, but I just think Jared Goff's hand is an issue. Playing in the, in the snow, it's not good. I just I got no faith in Jared Goff, so I think that would be a rough, a rough spot for him. Yeah, that's kind of my feeling too. I think the Rams will be able to slow down the Packers, not enough for them to win the game because I just don't see Jared Goff. I mean, you know, if you looked at how the offense played, they played pretty terribly against the Seahawks and yeah I just don't see them moving the ball very much against um, the Packers defense who got a lot better this season I think they're gonna load the box and just try to force Goff to beat them and I just don't think he'll be able to do it I kind of like the old man bowl too with with Breeze and uh, Brady going up against each other I think Breeze might be cooked I'm not sure but I think he might be 
might be done from what I've seen from him this year. But I think Brady probably comes out on top. But it'd be kind of funny to see those two go at it at 40 years old plus. Yeah, I mean, such a stark difference, right, between the AFC and NFC. AFC, what, every every quarterback's 25 or under or under 25 or under 26 or whatever it is. And then you've got uh, outside of the Rams, I mean, all the uh, NFC guys are 36, 37 plus or whatever they are, two 40-year-olds. So. But Ravens-Bills, that one's going to be a fun one on Saturday night. I'm looking forward to that one. That probably might be the game I'm looking forward to the most. I'm not sure, but. I don't know who I like in that game. Yeah, I don't know who to call for that game either. That that one is going to be pretty close. Allen has been pretty good against the Blitz, and he, he's faced a couple teams that, that blitzed him hev- heavily, and obviously the Ravens are going to be one of the top blitzing teams in the league. But I, I don't know if they have the guys that could cover the, the Bills' speed at, at wide receiver at the same time. The Ravens' offense is so unique and, and hard to defend. This one's going to be a close one. I, I think that's going to be the game of the week. All right, you guys ready to take a few questions? We've got some uh, Tim Kawakami's favorite, any chance type questions. Uh, start with uh, Joey M. Any chance Gus Bradley brings Melvin Ingram to Las Vegas, which uh, was already mentioned earlier, or do you see him being franchise tagged? Also, what's the track record for the assistance Gus Bradley is bringing over? Would you bring in his linebackers and DB's coach, right? Richard Smith has been in the league for a long time, the linebacker coach. He's uh, definitely a veteran guy. So I think they're both respected. I think definitely... Uh, It'd be interesting because, you know, the, the DBs, such a big part of this last staff's, you know, their, their plan was these young DBs were going to really emerge this year, and they, they didn't. I mean, you look at uh, Isaiah Johnson didn't play as much as people thought he was going to play, and uh, Keyshawn Nixon was kind of a wash, didn't really do much for him, and I, mean, I think Trayvon Mullen didn't really take a step up. So I think they definitely need a jolt of new energy in, in the DB room. So we'll see if this guy can uh, can do that. Yeah, I don't know if Ingram gets franchised, Terry. He was pretty beat up this year. I think he only played in five games, and... I think he could still be a good player, but for whatever his amount would be for the franchise tag, I think it might be a little too rich for the Chargers. I think there he might be somebody that, that is going to be on the market this offseason. And yeah, for the DB room, I think we could, we could see, I mean, we're going to see, obviously, something get shaken up at the safety position uh, with them needing a, a starting free safety. But I'm also like pretty certain that like they're probably not going to keep that joiner salary. So going to be looking for a new nickelback, too. And I think there's some pretty pretty good nickelbacks on the on the market that they can get at a, a reasonable price so probably be a couple new faces um in that defensive backfield all right question here from nick s we all know the d has been less than acceptable over the last three years he says three years i think we could probably extend that uh, a, a few more than three is there a chance that gunther was misusing their talent or are the raiders just really bad at eyeing defensive talent um, maybe both. Is there any chance Gus comes in and the players look talented and the defense becomes respectable? I mean, I think there's a combination there, right? Where they weren't being put in the position to succeed, but I still think there's a pretty significant talent gap that they need better players. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Obviously, um, they have big plans for, you know, we mentioned Littleton earlier and, and Malik Collins. So those guys didn't didn't get there, so that definitely is both their fault and also Gunther's fault. I mean, Gunther, he tried to blitz for a while, didn't really work, kind of gave up on blitzing, and didn't seem to have a lot of adjustments that he could do that he was comf- comfortable in. I know he would complain that when Arnett got hurt all the time, that was kind of a big part of his game plan, the way he was planning to use Arnett. So he'll say that guys got hurt or COVID, and that definitely hurt his week-to-week uh, game planning, but obviously didn't work out. So definitely I think it's both talent and coaching, so hopefully both can get better next season. Gunther's biggest weakness was his, his lack of a willingness to adjust. But honestly, with like how the personnel was on the defensive side of the ball, like I'm not sure how many times he changed it up. I don't know if it would have given them 
much different outcome. Like the defense, like it, it's both. Like the, the coaching was subpar and, and the personnel is also bad. So like there's only so much they could do. To, it was never going to be a good defense this year with what they had on the field. So I wouldn't think it's magically going to turn around just because you make a coaching change. Um, I do think it can help, but need to hit both in the draft and free agency when it comes to defense this year, which is they missed in both of those categories last year, just just from that year one production. So they can't afford to, to, to happen again this year. If it does, then I don't care really what Bradley changes. Like it's, it's probably not going to go, go well for them if they don't make some serious upgrades. I can see a few guys making a big jump with some you know good coaching. I think obviously Corey Littleton can make a bigger a big jump next season. And we saw signs of it towards the end of last season. Jonathan Abram, he's going to be playing you know, exclusively that strong safety role. And hopefully with a year of a lot of growing pains, he actually grows next season and, and cuts down some of those terrible mental mistakes. And, you know, with a better pass rush, I think Trayvon Mullen could be a quality corner. So those are three guys that I, I'd be looking at to make a jump if Bradley can right the ship. You just answered Dale K's question. He wanted to know if there are any players you think could be winners or losers from the hiring of Gus Bradley. So you just gave him three winners. Um, so we'll move on to Stephen F. And uh, you guys are going to like this one. I just saw an article saying that Khalil Mack's contract allows him to be tradable. Any hope that the Raiders can make this work and bring him home? I came across a random uh, uh, trade proposal on Twitter. And uh, and somebody wanted to make a deal where he trades Marcus Mariota, LaMarcus Joyner, Trayvon Williams, and a third-round pick for Khalil Mack. Uh, why not, right, guys? I think you got to throw in uh, Carl Nassib also. That's going to be the key okay, to the deal. There you go. All the guys you want to get rid of, all the guys you're going to cut, just just toss them in that in that bin, the, the players you don't want, and a, a third-round pick, and, and there you go. You get a Hall of Fame pass rusher. Is it like a basketball deal where you like, throw the other team some cash, too, to take these bad contracts? <laughs> a bag of footballs and... You know, maybe some in and out. I don't know. I mean, I think the odds of Khalil Mack and John Gruden ever reuniting are, uh, it's just probably not really worth wasting our much time just kind of dreaming of that. Um, I think that ship is, is probably sailed. It's just it's weird because I think if they actually I had ever met and talked, I think people on, on both sides agree that they would have really gotten along. They really would have clicked. So it's just kind of one of those uh, sad notes in, in Raider history that, uh, but yeah, they definitely didn't get the chance to, to, to actually work it out at some point. All right. Uh, last question here, Josh B. Do y'all think David Irving, Tack McKinley, and Vic Beasley will get a chance to compete in the spring? The uh, the cast-off crew of of pass rushers. Uh, I thought you were going to say Vic Tafer. I was like, yeah, I'm ready to compete. I mean, oh, Vic Beasley. Oh, my bad. <laughs> what, what are you competing in? Uh, everything. I, mean, I can. I have as many sacks as all those guys, right? I think we all have, we all have zero sacks. <laughs> <laughs> equal equal contributions. No, I think those guys are gone. Yeah, if those guys are still around, and that means something went terribly wrong in the draft of free agency. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Like, if if those guys are the ones competing, you're not really competing. I mean, I guess I can see Tack. I mean, I have no idea what his health injury status is, was growing, but I guess if he was dirt cheap, I mean, you could probably bring him back. He's young enough where maybe. You see some kind of, uh, who knows, but he'd be the one guy I think maybe there's a small chance. But otherwise, those are guys they, they tried to hit the lottery on this year and the tickets didn't come in. They all, you know, they lost their, their dollars or $2 on the tickets. So I think they're ready to move on. Alrighty, guys. Well, I think that'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. We'll keep our eye out for any news. And, and as uh, things happen this off season, we'll, uh, we'll be back, of course, whenever there's uh there's big happenings. We'll see, uh, see what the Raiders do and 
we'll see how this Gus Bradley hire you know, turns out. I mean, I, I think we've all said it, written it. I mean, this could be the the move, the hire that defines you know Gruden's second tenure here. I mean, if if this move gets the defense back on track or on track with the way their offense is, I mean, they there's no reason they can't be a a quality team that contends in the AFC West and in the AFC. If it doesn't work out, then uh, two, three years from now, it's hard to see you uh, you keep going down that road. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be pretty important. I mean, yeah, looking at his resume, there's no reason to think why it's going to explode and be a bad move. I think you're, you're looking at, will it be a great move or will, I mean, will the increase be incremental as opposed to a huge jump? But his resume is pretty good. So, I think he definitely, he's had success wherever he's been. I think players buy into his defense. So, I think that definitely there's reason for Raider fans to be a little optimistic, I think. All right. Well, we will talk to you guys again later this offseason. Peace. Later. At the Senior Bowl live. Let's go to mobile. Waffle House. Woo. It could be the freakish peck thing, so who knows? Peck, I want to find out what happened to the peck.